This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 135 for Thursday, April 12th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. The MTR feedback line is 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. What's going on, guys? We have a ton of stuff to get out of the way. I'm a little fucked up. Serious allergies. Uh, the last couple of days have been rather interesting. For those of you that were readily oh, readily and actively looking for MTR 134. I apologize for it being late. A uh, couple of things got in the way. Easter, weddings, allergies, uh, allergy medication, which put me in a coma of epic proportions to the point where I didn't hear my cell phone, my alarm clock, or a ton of other shit. So my voice may come and go. I'm going to give you guys 110%. If it's not enough, fuck you shut it off, go listen to something else. I'm sure there's plenty of other podcasts you'd rather be listening to, but hey, if you're here and you want to have a couple of laughs, hear some colorful language from not-so-colorful people, then you've come to the right place. couple of things this week. Obviously, MTR is officially in the 4.0 stage. Got an email earlier this week asking about the return of the forums. Uh, I am... Sad to say, we're not going to be bringing back the forums anytime soon. Um, For a couple of reasons, obviously, number one was lack of engagement. Number two, it was just something else that needed to be policed. So we decided to just kill that shit. You want to interact with us and any of the writers on MTR, the Facebook fan page is the way to do it. Also on Twitter, we are very active there. So you can check us out there if you want to interact. So just... We're not going to do it. I think the forum medium for most avenues is dead. There's no necessity for me to keep something alive that really wasn't going to work. Many of you agreed when we killed them the first time. So as of right now, shit's going to stay dead. Simple as that. Um, I did want to take the opportunity to congratulate our very own Slick, who has been promoted to senior editor. He is now going to be working with Andrea, who is our managing editor and of course myself, to oversee the site a little bit more. He's going to be more hands-on working with the writers, including our very own Quark, Blade, uh, DK, Ben. Uh, That's our stable of writers currently, so Slick is officially senior editor of MyTakeRadio.com. Congrats to him on that. Uh, Well-deserved. So 
once again, Slick's role increases only because he's probably one of a handful of people I can trust overseeing this shit. Um, it's, it's just a lot to handle between doing the job and making sure the site is running up to par. One of the things we've been experiencing this week are just some technical issues regarding uh, SEO and dis- and links displaying the way they shouldn't have been displaying. A couple of people were very vocal about it. I met with the developer, um, very talented young lady, of course, Erica, and we worked on it till I'd say probably 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, my time here in New York, and we got it squared away. We're still making some adjustments and making some additions to the site with regards to seeing what works. There's a couple of things that we're going to start expanding on a little bit further. Um, as you've seen, the buried columns have um, really, really picked up some steam. Uh, Quark did the buried for SmackDown, and him and Blade, respectively, did the buried for Raw. We're also going to be seeing a buried for TNA Impact. We're going to start giving TNA a little bit of love around here, only because there's certain aspects of the product that are improving and it's something we just want to try and expand on so those guys quark and blade good work they they're definitely hitting their stride dk as well is going to start doing some comic book stuff if you guys are interested in in writing for mtr as always mtr host at mytakeradio.com it's not a paying gig whatever free stuff we get i try and distribute it accordingly amongst the staff if we get to go to any events and you're a local we'll try and include you slick he can vouch for that. Um, so can Josh, who is our senior writer. And it, we're a pretty chill group. We don't ask for much. Slick knows the deal. Quark and Blade can vouch for it as well. So if you're interested, drop me a line via email. Um, our Stitcher numbers are continuing to improve. Just a reminder to those of you listening to the show via Stitcher, please, please, please make sure... To use the regular My Take Radio feed, do not listen to the shitty Blog Talk Radio feed. I'm sorry, it's garbage. It really is. It's in mono. It just it, it has all the hiccups and audio miscues that we edit out of the show afterwards. But um, we're going to be doing a lot more with Stitcher in the coming weeks. Stitcher is also becoming available on more devices and is also available in more vehicles as well. So those of you that have Stitcher will be able to get MTR everywhere. Also, MyTakeRadio.com is in tablet magazine form. If you go to OnSwipe.MyTakeRadio.com, or actually, yeah, I think it's that. It should be that way. The URL is not in front of me, but you'll be able to see the MTR site in uh, magazine form on your Android and iPad tablets. But this is only a temporary thing. It's something that we were just testing out, and... Based on some of the feedback I've got and a couple of things that we've noticed, we're going to make a couple of changes to MTR for tablets. So be on the lookout for that. You may just see MTR in full-on magazine form, uh, plucking some of the articles for the week. And for those of you that will be using Android tablets, you'll have Flash videos. And for iOS, there'll be an HTML5. We're going to work out those bugs in the coming weeks. For now, I'll uh, re-post the link for OnSwipe, which is what we're testing it with now, and you guys can fuck with it, let me know, feel free to email me, let me know what the deal is, and um, we'll take it from there. Our shirt designs are finalized, be on the lookout for a buried t-shirt, and also 
uh, special T-shirt regarding someone who gets a lot of mention here on the show. You'll be seeing that hopefully next week. Um, we're also going to have MTR. I guess you could put them in the awards category for stuff that's not complete shit that we actually give good ratings. You know, there'll be MTR gold certified or some shit. So we're working on that as well. Last but not least, MTR behind the mic and beyond the mic will be making their return within the next two weeks. Hopefully, if my voice holds up after this terrible allergy season, we'll be able to do more of those more often. And of course, MTR app, $1.99, iOS, and Android. You can pick it up in Amazon or in iTunes. Get exclusive access to MTR behind and beyond the mic, 96K episodes of MTR. You get mobile wallpapers and a whole bunch of bonus content as well. So just a reminder, it's $1.99. Pick it up. It helps us out. And, of course, the Amazon marketplace that we have, everything we talk about on the show, you can purchase through Amazon. Helps out the show a great deal. Same thing. You know, you don't have to go through any hoops or anything. Just go right through our store on MyTakeRadio.com. It'll take you straight to Amazon to finalize your purchases. And that's pretty much it. And, of course, you've seen ads on there for some of our sponsors, including Busted Tees, the UFC store, WWE Shop Zone. Um, We also got HBO on board, and we're going to start putting more ads around the site. Please, once in a while, if you want to pick up some stuff, just click the ads, help us out. I know a lot of you fuckers are cheap as shit, and I'm not going to beat you guys to death about it, but you want us to keep giving you great stuff, great content. Shit costs money. Simple as that. So... Not not exactly putting handouts out there, but kind of putting a gun to your head and forcing you to do it. All right. Tonight's topics. We're going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, the U.S. Ultimate Fighter, Raw, SmackDown. We got MPD numbers and gaming news. We got some what the fuck movie news. And who knows? Maybe we'll take some calls. Maybe we won't. So with that said, let's just get right into the MMA stuff because... The Ultimate Fighter happened twice, so we might as well acknowledge both seasons. Alright, the live fight this week was Jeremy Larson from Team Cruz taking on uh, Michael Chesa from Team Faber. Uh, Actually, very, very competitive fight. The only thing that kind of hampered this a little bit was a point deduction for Chris Chesa. Uh, You know, the funny thing about these fights, especially with this season of The Ultimate Fighter, which is something I'll talk about in the MMA news, is the fact that while they're live, it almost feels like the buildup for it kind of gives away the fights you're going to be getting live. I mean, it's weird to say it that way, but it, it kind of plays out. Even though they announced them earlier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the live fights just feel, they don't feel n- not natural, but I don't know, they just feel rushed. I don't know, I think maybe if it's the production that doesn't get to be cleaned up as much since it's a, a, a live fight, but I can't even blame that because... UFC does plenty of live fights, and they look a lot better. I don't know. Maybe I it ha- maybe it might have to do with FX. Maybe it's just the way FX does things. But I don't know. It wasn't. It just seems off for some reason. Anyway, uh, Michael Chesa took this fight via unanimous decision. It was an 
really wasn't an exciting fight. I expected it to be only because Larson looked to be very aggressive, but it just it just didn't work out in his favor. I think uh, Chesa had a better game plan going in, and he just looked better standing up. Um, the funny thing to me about this entire episode was just the fact that they're more concerned with, uh, not to say putting the spotlight on Uriah Faber, because I think they might feel that he's just marketable on television, but they really don't give you much insight into the fighters like in the old seasons. Like I said, just I think these are growing pains for the live show, but just little things I notice. Next week, you got Chris Tickle. He's taking on Joe Proctor. And, um, of course, they tease if, if Proctor's actually going to be ready for this fight. We'll see what happens. I think... Um, out of both of these fighters, Proctor, there's a lot more drama surrounding him, and they're probably teasing that, and he may come out there and shock everybody. But this may be one of those fights that is going to really, really deliver for, for this season. We'll see how it pans out. Moving into the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, we have um, Daniel, Sara- Daniel Serafian taking on Rene Forte. And um, holy shit, what... Once again, the Brazilians just unleashing violence. Uh, Rene Forte just, he didn't really have any confidence in his stand-up. And you can see it, especially as the fight went into the second round. Serafian took him down, locked in the rear naked choke for the win. It was academic. Um, Vanderlei's assessment was that Rene Forte was intimidated by Serafian. And it also looked like he got hurt by the leg kick. So we'll see what the deal is with that. Of course, Vandalay's team now has two losses. It's it's going to be very interesting. For those of you that are not watching The Ultimate Fighter Brazil, it is broadcast online. And this particular season follows previous seasons where there's, you know, the whole reality TV vibe to it versus the new um, vision that's used here on FX. Not to say that the old way worked, but... It helps you connect better with the fighters. I mean, minus the language barrier, I feel that this season is in some ways actually on par, if not better, than the live season. But make of it what you will. I really am enjoying the Brazilian season, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Vanderlei and Vitor Belfort meet in the octagon because it's going to be serious fireworks for that fight. Let's get into the MMA news. First thing I want to discuss is um, the Toronto Suns' Jose Rodriguez. He put out a very interesting article saying that he's glad that Brock Lesnar is out of MMA and back in the, and back in the WWE. He said that Brock Lesnar was loudmouth and that he cheapened the sport. Here's some of what he had to say in his article. Not questioning Lesnar's athleticism for a second, but it's a, but it's a little like he's fighting, well, like it's riding the, the Earth's axis by sending him back to where he belongs. I, for one, can't think of a better home for a loudmouth, brash, and oftentimes arrogant Lesnar. He did little to build the credibility of the sport, and if anything, cheapened it. There's something seriously wrong when The Undertaker is one of the featured stars in the stands during a UFC pay-per-view. It just doesn't seem right. Brock, I will not miss you, though I wish you nothing but success in returning to an acting career. All right. Well, I, I I can understand where he's coming from, but I'm sorry, Jose Rodriguez, you, sir, are full of shit. And I'll tell you why. Brock Lesnar is a 
collegiate level, nationally recognized wrestler. Period. The guy can transition to professional wrestling or MMA had he chosen or even gone on to compete in the Olympics. So for you to say that he cheapened the sport is ridiculous. On the contrary, during during the time that um that Brock Lesnar was in the UFC, they had some of the largest gates, period. They had some of the largest pay-per-view sellouts. Simple as that. So for you to say that he cheapened the sport is beyond me. Why? Because he brought personality to the sport. Sure, he was a loudmouth, cocky fuck. But you know what? It made people tune in. It made people want to see him either get punched in the face or be victorious. It brought wrestling fans into MMA. Some of them even stayed and became hardcore MMA fans. For those that left with Brock Lesnar to go back to wrestling, that's fine. But you know what? There were plenty of high points for Brock Lesnar being in the UFC. Do I think that he got promoted too quickly? Absolutely. Did he not have enough time to become a better rounded fighter? Yes. Did Brock Lesnar's personality not allow him to get better? Absolutely. Because Brock Lesnar, if he's not on, on the top of the mountain, he takes his ball and he goes home. It happened in wrestling, it's happened in MMA, and he's back in wrestling for the quick payday, but will he stick around? So, for, for anything, for, and then to, to make it a negative that The Undertaker was in the stands during a UFC pay-per-view is ridiculous. So what if he was there? I'd rather that they say that The Undertaker's there, somebody who's legit, than fucking Miley Cyrus or Justin Bieber. You know, maybe you want Justin Bieber to be shouted out at the next UFC show. Maybe you want that. I think that, the, that you know, Jose Rodriguez and just a, a small group of guys that they don't understand the, the semantics of just pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. As much as you try to separate them, they're more alike than you would think. From the trash talking to the, the competitors that are involved to the personalities that are created to grow the sport respectively, for you to sit there and say that Brock Lesnar cheapened it, you're, you're an idiot. What about guys like King Mo? Who, who are loudmouth, Rampage Jackson, Josh Koscheck, Nick Diaz. Should I go down the fucking list? Frank Mir, Tim Sylvia. What about those guys? Tim Sylvia's fucking wrestled professionally. Come on, dude, really? That's, the, that's what you're bringing to the table? That lame-ass argument? I'm sorry, dude, but if that's the kind of shit that the Toronto Sun is putting out, considering how well-liked wrestling is in Canada... I'm surprised that they're not asking for this guy to get strung up, but who am I to judge? Now let's talk about Alice, our, our good old buddy, the demolition man, the Reem, Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem, of course, had a 14 to 1 testosterone ratio, which has put his fight with Junior Dos Santos in jeopardy. Dana White has been very vocal about uh, Overeem pretty much lying to the organization, but Overeem got himself a serious fucking lawyer. And he expects to contest this. I'm sure that they're probably going to cite testosterone replacement therapy, which if they are and it's medically cleared, then Dana White may have to eat his words because, you know, he's over there shitting on Overeem. And if he has medical clearance for TRT, then you can't say anything and neither can the commission, especially if there's proof. But we're going to find that out April 24th when the hearing is. Um, like I said, he's had a he's already had 
the B sample out there. They haven't really done anything or mentioned anything further about the B sample that was there. But he will be in attendance uh, April 24th, and we're going to find out what the deal is. As of right now, he's not licensed to fight in Nevada, and he does not face an immediate suspension or a fine. But they can deny his license or sanction him in other ways, depending on how this goes. It's going to be very interesting. We don't even know who's going to fight over, um, who's going to fight Dos Santos if Overeem is unable to compete. A lot of people are rallying for Mark Hunt on Twitter, which is fine. But I'd rather, I'd rather you, you know, move up Mir to challenge. Maybe have Kane fight Mark Hunt if you want to do that. Um, some people are saying that Dan Henderson is in the mix. Uh, a, a lot of people, you know, wishful thinking Fedor, but that shit's not going to happen. As of right now, April 24th is Judgment Day, and we're going to see how it pans out. This weekend's title fight for Bellator between Cole Conrad and Eric Prindle is off the shelf. They will be fighting May 25th for Bellator 70. Seems that Eric Prindle suffered a hand injury, so the fight is being moved. Fuel TV's gone on record as saying that they will be airing the Ultimate Fighter Brazil for U.S. audiences in June. The news was confirmed by the executive vice president of Fuel TV. Um, George Greenberg confirmed it. He also said that as soon as Tough on FX is done, then we'll premiere Tough on uh, Tough Brazil. And they're going to have, you know, English subtitles, which, of course, people will be able to follow along. The Ultimate Fighter Live right now, a lot of people are concerned because it's been dropping in ratings. Since debuting March 9th, the show's most recent episode was the low has the lowest ratings in the show's seven year history with nine hundred and forty seven thousand viewers. That's a point five rating among adults 18 to 49. Meanwhile, the tough Brazil ratings have been huge, averaging 12 million viewers in Brazil. So we'll see how that pans out. UFC's Canadian office has confirmed that Yoshihiro Akiyama is going to be meeting Thiago Alves for their card, which will be UFC 149 July 21st at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Also on that card, Jose Aldo, Brian Caraway will be fighting on that card, and George Roop as well. So, I mean, Akiyama really has not been given an easy, easy fight schedule. Every guy he's fight, he's fight, he's fought, I should say, is a, a top 10 guy every time. So, not to say that Alves is a pushover, but if you want Akiyama to get over in the organization, uh, putting him in front of these guys is not helping his cause. But we'll see what happens. In some Nick Diaz news, Nick Diaz's attorney has filed a new legal response citing that medical marijuana metabolites do are not should not well are not considered performance enhancing drugs and also they want to show that those drugs fall under the out of competition standards for marijuana set by the World Anti-Doping Agency. It's going to be very interesting to see where that argument goes. As far as I'm concerned and I've said it before, marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug in any shape way or form. On the contrary, Marijuana should be considered something that would affect your performance negatively. So for it to be cited as a performance enhancing drug is retarded and stupid. And I'm not even saying it, you know, before anybody says, oh, well, Rich is a pothead. Nope. 
I am 100% CM Punk straight edge. So while I don't condone the shit, it's definitely not a performance enhancing drug. Seriously, Nick Diaz runs triathlons. He fights professionally. He does boxing. He does countless hours of conditioning drills. He has some of the best cardio in this sport. I sincerely doubt that him smoking a J is going to help that. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But we'll see where his fucking hearing goes because the commission for that is also going to be meeting April 24th. So Overeem, Nick Diaz, it'll all be revealed in two weeks. Last bit of MMA news to help us segue into wrestling. Tito Ortiz has been entertaining the thought of going to the WWE after his mixed martial arts career is over. He goes, I may have another career, you never know, but I've got a lot of options. I've seen Brock Lesnar go back to the WWE. That's something I may entertain. Do some theatrical entertainment, as they call it. For those of you that aren't familiar, Tito Ortiz did work with TNA Wrestling at one point, and he has mentioned already more than once the possibility of going to the WWE, which, frankly, I think is a good fit for Tito. I'm not sure with his neck injuries if he would do well to take a lot of bumps, but he's a colorful enough of a he's colorful enough of a personality to do well in the WWE. I mean, look, I don't see him going in there winning titles. But I see him going in there, cutting good promos, maybe doing really, really solid matches. I think we need more mixed martial artists coming into professional wrestling, which is an article I'm working on. It's going to cite 10 mixed martial artists who I think would transition well to professional wrestling. And frankly, Tito Ortiz is on that list. Injuries aside, the guy has great presence, great mic skills. He can get the crowd behind him. He rallies crowds well. Fuck it. I think um, I think it would work out better than most of these other guys that have co- contemplated transitioning to wrestling. Tito Ortiz seems like a natural fit. Speaking of which, we are going to go right into the wrestling segment because there's a lot to cover. So, let's get right to it. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! <laughs> Monday Night Raw, of course. It wouldn't be a Raw without fucking John Laurinaitis coming out and talking about the new face of the WWE, Brock Lesnar. And of course, Brock Lesnar comes out and he cuts the most dog shit promo ever. Talking about, oh yeah, thanks John, blah blah blah, I'm coming here because I'm the best, John Cena can't even hold my jock, and John Cena comes out full of piss and vinegar. I'm like, all right, they're going to beat the fuck out of each other. John Cena comes out and proceeds to fucking slap him. What grown-ass man slaps another man in the face? I can understand you had the Three Stooges there Monday night, but John Cena being a, a tough motherfucker coming out there and slapping Brock Lesnar 
looked like such a bitch move. It was stupid. Brock Lesnar, of course, responded with a double leg takedown and proceeded to drop fists on John Cena, one of which busted John Cena open. As I've said, there's always been rumors that Brock Lesnar didn't like John Cena, so maybe he accidentally, in quotes, punched John Cena in the face. I have to admit that, you know, the pull apart was a nice way to open things up, but that slap in the face was full-on bitch move. Definitely not the way to go. And John Blade says it best. Brubaker didn't slap anyone. And this is true. Brubaker, had it been Brubaker John Cena, he would have probably gotten his face, screamed on him, and then punched him in the face. And I see that Quark is talking about that I stole his material. What material am I stealing, Quark? It's not the fucking John Laurinaitis impersonation. So you better fucking explain yourself. Just because I'm doing the show doesn't mean I don't occasionally glance at the chat, motherfucker you. <laughs> it's all love, it's all love. Quark and Blader, you know, they're they're my fucking illegitimate children. I love those assholes. Alright, we got Teddy Long being berated by by John Laurinaitis backstage, you know, way to advocate the bullying program, WWE, and then you have Teddy Long basically treated like a house slave. Teddy! Why didn't you get my shoes? I'm sorry, Massa. I'll go and get your shoes. Like, seriously. They have made Teddy Long a complete bitch. This is the guy that pushed John Laurinaitis, holla, holla, holla with his stupid little peanut head, and now he's just a big old house slave. Quark talking about that he said he slapped another man. I fucking said it. On, on the fucking Facebook fan page Monday night. Stop talking shit. Yes, you said it in your buried column. Congrats. Don't, don't mind the side talk, folks. I'm actually paying more attention to the chat than usual just to rest my voice. We get a tag team match with Brodus Clay and Santino against Swagger and Ziggler. Swagger comes out with his terrible Republican comb-over in a match that pretty much went exactly the way you would think with Santino and Brodus Clay. Handling their business. Again, Dolph Ziggler eats the pinfall. It's like, why don't you let Swagger eat the pinfall? Dolph Ziggler is practically scratching the roof of upper mid-card. Possible title contention. Jobbing him out in these bullshit-ass tag team matches are bullshit. They're fucking bullshit. But, you know, they'd rather put the job on Ziggler and protect Swagger. Why? Because of his fucking terrible Republican national candidate haircut? The fuck out of here. Jack Swagger and his stupid lisp. He can wrestle, but his mic work? Dog shit. R-Truth and Cody Rhodes, clearly. Another guy that doesn't need to be jobbed out. Cody Rhodes. To R-Truth because of the fucking big show. Let's let's just keep burying our, our future talents to guys that, you know, don't need to get over. Because seriously... Brodus Clay doesn't need to fucking get over at this point, and neither does Santino. Next, we get our glorified squash match with Prince Albert, Albert, A-Train, Matt Bloom, Lord Tensai, Quang. You know the fucking deal. The white guy who is the furthest thing from Asian out there. Anyway, he comes out, kills Yoshitatsu dead. He applies the claw. He has like 17 different fucking finishing moves. Can we figure it out what the deal is? You got your double underhook suplex then you got your senton which clearly are your signature moves then you got your baldo bomb 
then you got your claw. I understand the whole thing of using the claw and it trying to be a, a devastating move, but you're not the great Kali. You're not the big show where the claw actually looks scary. You're not even a Von Eric. Seriously. A claw from fucking Albert is like is like a fucking drop kick from Hornswoggle. The shit looks stupid. Cut it out. Leave him with the Baldo bomb. Leave it at that. Next, we get a little bit more of the Chris Jericho CM Punk situation right before Punk faces Mark Henry, which, of course, ends in a DQ because Mark Henry is out of his mind and he wants to show people he's a bad motherfucker. So, you know, by, by getting himself DQ'd and, you know, not winning the belt, it solidifies that Mark Henry's a bad motherfucker. Seriously, this was more of a setup for Jericho and Punk than for Mark Henry at all. But once again, crazy booking Monday night, folks. Zack Ryder gets jobbed out to to fucking Ricardo Montalban again. Fucking garbage, 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 garbage. I like what Blade said in the buried column. And um, I believe it was him and Quark in different instances that said it, you know. Jo- you know, we got to bury Zack Ryder. We got to bury him. He has to get buried. And I cannot. And you know what? They're 100% right. If they can be buried. If they can be buried in the column, it, it's not doing him any any less damage than what they're doing to him on Raw. Why does Del Rio need to get this victory? Why? And against why didn't you make him fight a cornball like like Kurt Hawkins? Sorry, Kurt, but you're kind of corny right now. Why didn't he fight Kurt Hawkins? Where the fuck is the other guy? Um, The guy that was half of the Dude Busters. That guy. Where the fuck is he? Why doesn't he fight him? No, that's okay. We'll just keep burying Zack Ryder. Next, we get ourselves a nice little Three Stooges segment with Kane coming out, killing the Three Stooges dead. I always felt that this was just a subtle dig at Hulk Hogan since Will Sasso came out dressed as Hogan. But whatever, quick, quick and pointless, and it was over. Mark Henry explains his actions, blah, blah, blah. Next week, no DQ, no countout title match with CM Punk. We know how this is going to end. Then we got Josh Matthews. He decides, oh, I'm going to talk with Brock Lesnar next. Brock Lesnar's going to, again, just do a shitty promo, talking about he's the war machine and he's an ass kicker. It's like, dude, you're sponsored by fucking beef jerky on the back of your shirt. I'm supposed to take you seriously? You're sponsored by dried meat. That you can't even eat because your intestines are held together by fucking Silly Putty and Elmer's glue. Get out of here. Please. I'm begging you. Give Paul Heyman whatever he wants. I don't care. Half of the company. Control of SmackDown. Anything. For him to come out and talk for Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar talking on the mic is bullshit. It is complete bullshit. And and he just doesn't look believable. It was different in the UFC. Because in the UFC, it's like, all right, you know, let's entertain Brock Lesnar and his bullshit. But now, (sighs) not so much. Seriously. It's fucking, it's, it's garbage. It really is a fucking snooze fest. Pretty much. That's how it is when he gets when he gets on the fucking microphone. Snooze fest. Let's talk about David Otunga who fucking jumped in Paula Dean's butter bowl. He was shiny as shit. One of the guys on the fan page said that he jumped in soul glow. I was done. 
I think I laughed at that comment for 15 minutes because he was shiny as shit. And of course, John Cena still whooped his ass. Didn't matter that he had Chris all over his body. He just got his ass whooped. Then Brock Lesnar came, kicked John Cena in the dick, delivered the F5, and everybody went home happy. Seriously, why? Why? Why does he have a job, fucking David Otunga? I understand that you're a decent wrestler, but I'm tired of seeing you on my TV every week. You garbage kid. Homework assignment, Quark and Blade, one of you guys, please bury David Brotunga. Bury him. I don't care if you gotta bury him in honorable mentions. Bury that motherfucker, because he is shit. Alright, let's go into SmackDown. SmackDown was live, and it was just as shitty. Quark did a solo buried on this one, and he was spot on in every aspect that he covered. Fact of the matter is, the legends just watered it down. I mean, Piper's Pit was kind of cool, but, you know, oh, props to WWE for capitalizing on Daniel Bryan and giving him a yes shirt. Pretty cool. Props for that. Randy Orton and Mark Henry was a match we've seen a thousand times. It is what it is. Then we had a squash match, which was actually called a squash match. Benny Kamer taking on Ryback, a.k.a. Skip Sheffield, a.k.a. the fucking cowboy guy from NXT, a.k.a. the juiced-up meathead from Tough Enough, a.k.a. Mr. Wellness himself. Holy shit. And the best part was that real squash central. It wasn't even a joke. That, oh, yeah, this is a squash match. You know, fucking Tony Atlas. Oh, we're going to get the squash. No, legit squash madness. Just just decimating this poor dude. Why? I don't know. Because Ryback, unless you put that fucking guy on the mic, ugh, it's not going to work. And let's not even talk about fucking Wendy's convincing Tyson Kidd to be his tag team partner to take on the Usos. You know, because it wouldn't have been uh, a throwback night if you wouldn't have had the Usos there. You know, their dad, Rikishi, but that's okay. You can't have Rikishi on TV for whatever reason, but you can have every other motherfucker out there, even though Rikishi would have made sense to come out with the Usos because obviously somebody would have got a stink face. Somebody. And, and and Heath Slater, another another fucking garbage wrestler. Garbage. The one-man rock band, the hillbilly rock band, whatever the fuck you are, you are a piece of shit. Every time you go out there to wrestle, you bring nothing to the table. And you can't even say, oh, you know, he, he has, he has you know, an upside, he has potential. Nope. I am sorry. Heath Slater is the fucking whoopee cushion of the WWE. He comes out for comedy squash matches and fucking quick bullshit lame matches. That's what he is, a whoopee cushion. It's quick, it's funny for two seconds, and then it just gets dull. That's what he is. He's the whoopee cushion of this fucking business. Get him the fuck off my television. Because he's shit. The great Kali, Alicia Fox, and Natalia took on Drew McIntyre and the Bella Twins. Why is this happening? Why? I, I can't even say that this match was remotely good. Remotely. And Mr. Buried himself, the, the, the buried alumni, Hunico, took on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
another guy that you built, you did all this shit, you put him in the tag team with Camacho, he was faking Cara, the guy busted his ass for you, and you job him out to Hacksaw. That's who you job him out to? Hacksaw? Seriously? <sighs> I don't understand it, folks. Then, of course, Cody Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, it was, it was bound to happen. They did a little segment with them. Sheamus and Mean Gene Okerlund took on Daniel Bryan and Alberto Del Rio. Ladies and gentlemen, what a fucking dud of a match. Dullsville. Shitsville. It was probably one of the worst SmackDowns I've seen in recent memory. I, I'm not even joking. It... It is probably, and, and you know what's funny, SmackDown on Sci-Fi just doesn't work. Put it on USA, you get a different crowd there, Just it, I, I just could never adjust to SmackDown on Sci-Fi. Put it on USA with Raw, do something. Holy shit was it bad. And I don't mean slightly bad, I mean really fucking bad. I, I just couldn't believe it, I, I said to myself, is it really this bad? Because first, I had recorded it. Then I read Quark's Buried article. I said, nah, can't be this bad. Can't be this bad. Then I watched it. And then I watched most of it on Fast Forward. Then I watched it again. In, in its entirety for the show. And I just, I just wanted two hours of my fucking life back. Couldn't believe it. And the worst part was that for all the alleged legends you were going to have, it's just the same guys that we always see. Like I said, what about guys like Rikishi? He, he, he's not a legend, but blast from the past, right? Goldust? Maybe Goldust and Booker T in a tag match? Blast from the past? It would have worked. Against the Usos or some shit. Do something. But holy shit, I think it's just an excuse to give these guys a quick paycheck. It really was. Overall, it, it, it was just fucking visual fucking vomit. Seriously, this is what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Vomit. Fucking garbage. Embarrassment. Shit for a live show. All right, let's get into the other wrestling news because there's other upsides. Let's talk about Scott Steiner. Big Papa Pump himself has been all over Twitter shitting on Hulk Hogan. Scott Steiner, you are officially my hero shitting on him. And I don't mean shitting on him subtly either. Allow me to read for you, well, allow me to read to you guys some of the tweets that Scott Steiner has put out. Hulk Hogan, you're an unprofessional motherfucker. You attacked AJ, Rude, Angle, and Borash in the media, but the worst part is you attack Angle professionally and personally. That was bullshit. But you, Hogan, you Bischoff... And Pritchard, book the show. Tell me how you're lobbying to get me back on the show, you lying pieces of shit. No one believes your bullshit. You see money and talent in me, but you're full of shit. Every, all of you think that Eric Bischoff's son is the future of wrestling. Fuck you. You're an idiot. You introduce me to your family, and I'm nice. It doesn't mean I give a fuck about you and your busted-ass family. 
You don't know who I am or what I'm capable of. Your creative control won't help you in real life situations. Oh, I can't. I can't do the Steiner voice to Silva. I'm sorry. My voice will not let me do it this week. But it gets better because he really he really isn't done just burying those guys. He shits on Eric Bischoff on Eric Bischoff's son Garrett. Garrett is 28 years old, has 10 has less than 10 matches, has great sideburns but can't throw a clothesline. Meanwhile, a guy like Magnus is 25 years old. He can talk, wrestle, and he looks great and you have him sit at home for a year. Then let's not talk about Abyss. You make the guy take off his mask, cut his hair, and pretend to be his brother, which makes everybody look stupid because we all know what Abyss looks like as if he's never taken off his mask before. Abyss has been here from the beginning and is a nice guy, but they just fuck with everybody because they're assholes. These three jerk-offs are sinking TNA. Simple as that. We can't talk to Dixie Carter. We have to end up talking to Bruce Pritchard and... Rarely does he relay messages to Dixie. Ratings are like a scoreboard. There isn't one coach that looks at the scoreboard at the end of the game and wonders who won. And since these guys came to TNA, the ratings have sucked and still do. So was it so hard to figure out who the problem was? Since they came in, ratings are down, but costs are up. And then they cut costs in areas that are completely that they do not even require cost-cutting measures. They cut the money for catering to the point where we have to eat with paper plates and plastic. It's fucking crazy. Everybody's turned TNA into a zoo and a circus. And like every good circus, you need clowns. Scott Steiner is 100% right. Ever since Bischoff, Hogan, and Bruce Prichard have taken over, we get shit like ODB marrying Eric Young in the fucking steel cage which is an embarrassment. And then you got guys like AJ Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, um, let Austin Aries, all these guys that are completely talented, just being misused. And then you push guys, I mean, don't get me wrong. You're pushing guys like rude and storm, which is cool. And even bully Ray, bully Ray's gotten in great shape. He's an awesome heel. But again, the rest of your fucking product is shit. It is complete shit. And it's sad because they have, they have so much talent that they can make it a really good product. It's ridiculous. Scott Steiner continued his rant on TNA with the following. Tonight is a good night if you guys are watching Impact to help save TNA. All of you guys that are fans of AJ, Rude, Angle, Abyss, Sting, Morgan, Magnus, and Kazarian, the guys that bust their ass for this company, do me a favor. If you see Hogan Bischoff or his son on television... Turn the channel. Wait five minutes, then turn it back. You won't miss anything, except their bullshit. And it will give you, the fans, a voice through the Nielsen ratings. Let's show these assholes that we don't want their bullshit, and it's time to save TNA from the same fate as WCW. Guy speaks the truth. Can't dispute it. 100% right. In some other news, which is sad to, to say, Scott Hall was arrested again. Uh, for a domestic disturbance, um, he was charged with domestic battery for allegedly choking out his girlfriend. Uh, it was reported on TMZ. That, that happened April 6th. He was, um, he was also arrested July 5th, 2011. Scott Hall's just, he's just in a real bad way. And the worst part is, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, why isn't Kevin Nash helping him out? Look, you reach a point as a friend of anybody who's an addict 
that you just you can't help them anymore. If you've helped them and helped them and helped them and helped them, you just you got to leave them alone because there's nothing else you can do. Scott Hall needs an aggressive, aggressive intervention with aggressive treatment to the point where he needs to be locked up somewhere away from alcohol for at least a year or longer until he can break the habit. And the worst part is, and I've said this before, everybody talks about Scott Hall. Everybody jokes about he's there and he's a drunk and this and that. But you know what? If Scott Hall, God forbid, dies tomorrow, knock on wood that he doesn't, if he dies tomorrow, these same shitty-ass wrestling fans, oh, Scott Hall was one of the most talented performers ever, Scott Hall was amazing, blah, 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 blah. No, Scott Hall was a drunk and died a drunk. That's how I'd look at it. He had a tremendous career. The guy could have been champion in any organization, but he put the bottle before his, his well-being. He's alienated his friends and his family for the bottle. And it's going to be the death of him. And like I said, if something happens, everybody's going to be like, boo-hoo, Scott Hall was great, blah, blah, no. Scott Hall right now is a drunk. Scott Hall, when I was growing up, when he was Razor Ramon, part of the Outsiders, the fucking man. Scott Hall now, drunken piece of shit. Sorry. It's what he is. He's a drunk. Can't help him. He needs an aggressive intervention. Maybe put him in prison for a little bit. Simple as that. He, he's, he's beyond help at this point. He needs something serious. Threatening him. All the, It's not going to work. Kevin Nash said on Twitter, The only person that can help Scott at this point is Scott. Those of you that think otherwise are lost to what addiction is. Simple as that. In some other news, TMZ reported, and I talked about this last week, Maven Huffman has admitted to a prescription drug addiction following last week's um, arrest. His lawyer stated that he intends to cooperate with law enforcement to resolve his legal situation, and he will be taking up WWE on their offer to get cleaned up through their former talent rehab program. So at least there's there's a bright spot there, so hopefully Maven can get his shit together and get over this pill habit. In news that should come as no surprise to anyone... Kurt Angle has announced that he will be withdrawing from the U.S. Olympic trials due to a series of injuries. While the injuries are serious, Angle states that he will wrestle Sunday at TNA's lockdown pay-per-view. So let me get this straight. You are trying out for the Olympics, and you would rather fight through your injuries to wrestle on a fucking pay-per-view than to try and compete to be an Olympian. Are you serious? He went on to say on Twitter, he injured his hamstring, he injured his knee. Uh, USA Wrestling coach Zeke Jones uh, recommended I don't participate. I must focus on TNA and the lockdown pay-per-view, which has always been my first priority. So you mean that training for the Olympics wasn't your first priority, dude? Really? Are you fucking serious? I hope to be able to put on the best performance I can. TNA has supported my Olympic dream since day one. I approached Dixie Carter about my quest for gold. So thank you. He went on to tweet, I injured my MCL. The doctors say it's a partial tear which will take four to six months with rehab. I will have it heavily protected at lockdown. I've had prior knee surgeries more serious than this. Still won NCAAs, but I must put my, I must put my job in TNA first. Again, thank you all for the support. 
Your prayers and support have motivated me to put on the best performance I can at lockdown, considering my injuries. He went on to say, as Zeke Jones told me, we were hoping that Father Time would hold off until after the London Olympics. Unfortunately, it hit me hard one month prior to the Olympic trials. Thank you to all my training partners, especially Edinburgh University wrestlers and coach Tim Flynn. Training for the gold and wrestling for Impact Wrestling at the same time took its toll. I'm still proud that I went for it at age 43, thanks to all the fans who supported me. I will heal and focus on what I do best, and that's perform for all of you. God bless. (sighs) Excuse me. That's pretty much what he said. And I'm sorry, Kurt, but you're an asshole. You are an Olympic gold medalist, one of the best professional wrestlers in the world, and you put TNA over Olympic gold, over genuine recognition, over something that would have put you in the fucking record books. You didn't want to tear your MCL. Don't do goddamn moonsaults on impact, you stupid bastard. Don't. Yeah, I'm going to do a moonsault while I'm training for the Olympics. The Undertaker has his hip held together with Elmer's glue. You don't see him trying to do a five-star frog splash off the fucking cell, do you? No, but you have to be that extra motherfucker. That's what you got to do. Because you want to prove that you're the fucking man. That you're, that you're the greatest ever. You don't need to prove that anymore. I was looking forward to seeing you compete in the Olympics because that's what you were known for. That required discipline. The, it, it required the three eyes. It's ridiculous. I like what John says in the chat. John goes, he did it for the fans, bro. The Olympics can wait. Fucking guy. I swear, Kurt Angle, he's got to be bipolar or he's just fucked up. Because you're going to really put pro wrestling over the Olympics? Who the fuck told you that was important? You silly, silly bastard. (sighs) Whatever. All right, folks. Let's talk some video games, because there's plenty to discuss. All right, for those of you that are fans of Sonic 4 Episode 2, you'll be able to pick it up May 15th on PSN and May 16th on Xbox Live Arcade. Also, later on in May, you'll be able to pick it up on iOS and also a PC version as well with rumors of Android getting a version in June and Windows phones getting a version in July. In some other mobile news, Twisted Pixel announced that Miss Splosion Man will be available Later this summer on PC for Steam and games for Windows Live, iPhone, iPad, and Windows Phone 7 as well. Wow, I forgot about this. A game that I haven't heard of in ages is making a comeback. And that, ladies and gents, Lost Planet. Lost Planet 3 is being developed by Spark Unlimited. And it's set to launch on 360, PS3, and PC in early 2013. Holy crap. I haven't heard Lost Planet in ages. In some other news, which I mentioned on the Facebook fan page, the PlayStation blog announced that Legend of Dragoon will be available on North American PSNs 
May 1st. This game was available for the Japanese PSN since December of 2010. This was a four-disc classic from the PlayStation 1 days and one of the best RPGs I actually played when I had a PlayStation 1. That Final Fantasy VII Vagrant Story was a favorite RPG of mine, which was another classic. There was one other one that I'm missing. It involved dragons or a guy that was half dragon from Capcom. So, um, fuck. If any of you guys in the chat can share the name of that particular game, it was a, an RPG where you were half dragon almost. Not Legend of Dragoon, it was something else, but the, the name escapes me. If you guys can figure it out, by all means, let me know. Namco Bandai recently announced that Dragon Ball Z will be debuting on the Kinect in October. You're going to be able to access over 50 characters and perform real Dragon Ball Z-style moves with gestures. QR codes are going to be distributed to unlock extra characters as well. Dragon Ball Z Connect will offer story mode and a score attack mode. Story mode features first-person battles and CG event scenes based on the show's storyline. While score attack is going to be one-on-one battles for points. So let me get this straight. You're going to be hearing this in your house. And then you're going to probably end up breaking your your dinner table or breaking a window trying to do some of this shit with the fucking Kinect. Really, of all the games you put out, you put out Dragon Ball Z? Seriously? I mean, I love Dragon Ball Z as much as the next guy. I play a lot of the fighting games, the Dragon Ball fighting games, but for the Kinect, who gives a shit? Seriously. Japanese magazine Koro Koro has revealed some new details for Pokemon Black version 2 and White version 2. According to Cerebi.net, the games will be taking place two years after the first game and will be set in Unova. Players will start in, in wow, I'm going to fuck up this name, Huoji City, and will try to find 300 Pokemon, including new and old creatures. If you want more information, you could probably head over to Cerebi.net. I'm sure Slick will be able to elaborate on that further in the coming weeks. In some other Connect news, Bethesda is giving 360 owners a new reason to throw Skyrim back into consoles. They are going to be releasing an update that allows for Connect support. You're going to be able to use more than 200 voice commands in Skyrim, including dragon shouts, uh, co- f- uh, commands to for your followers, uh, loot, quick save, and other voice commands as well. So there you have it. Got a Connect? Got Skyrim? Voice controls is the new update. Frankly, I doubt any of the people that really play Skyrim hardcore will give a fuck about that. Let's talk about some MPD numbers. Mass Effect 3 clocked in at number one for the month of March, followed by Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City and MLB 12 The Show. Raccoon City sold over 582,000 units. Overall, the industry has generated $1.1 billion dollars. That's a 25% drop from last year at this time. If you break that down, hardware sales were at $323 million. That's down 35% from 2011. Software sales were at $553 million. That's a 25% decrease. Accessories made over $222 million, and that's down 8%. The Xbox 360 had its 15th consecutive month on top, 
selling 371,000 units. It's the 13th consecutive month, uh, 13th consecutive month that the console has factored into over 40% total console sales. Best month that's and also the best month in overall hardware sales. Here are your top 10 titles for the month of March. Number 10, Major League Baseball 2K12. Number 9, Naruto Ultimate Ninja 360 and PS3 version. Number 8, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Number 7, Mario Party 9 for the Wii. Number 6, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Number 5, SSX 2012. Number 4, NBA 2K12. Number 3, MLB 12 The Show for the PS3 and the Vita. Number two is Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. And number one, that mass, Mass Effect 3, 360, PS3, PC. So there you have it, folks. Mass Effect racked up all the money for the month of March. That's going to wrap up the video game news for this week. It was a short week. Let's get right into some movie news, shall we? Spartans! What is your profession? Next one, and Slick requested that this be played, and you know what? Fuck it. I say we do it. Shall we? Come on, let's sing the thunder song. All right. When, when you, you hear, hear the sound of thunder, thunder, don't you get too scared. Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. Fuck you, thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't get me thunder because you're just God's fight. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Fuck it. Let's talk movies. First off, The Hollywood Reporter is stating that the sequel to X-Men First Class will be filming in January. What that means is that Jennifer Lawrence will be able to do that film, but also do the sequel to The Hunger Games. When When you hear the sound of thunder, don't you... That was by accident. Let's not have that again. (laughs) That was not intentional. As much as you guys probably wanted to hear it, it was not intentional. As I was saying, the sequel to X-Men First Class will be filming in January. Jennifer Lawrence will be reprising her role as Mystique. And you'll be able to catch her also in the sequel to The Hunger Games, which is going to be Catching Fire, which will be shooting in August or September. Matthew Vaughn will return to direct X-Men First Class, and Lionsgate is was allegedly working out a deal to have Gary Ross, who directed the first Hunger Games films, uh, to direct the second. But, unfortunately, I have other news regarding that later on in the segment. For those of you that are 80s babies or just fans of Hasbro products in general, Hasbro Studios has signed a multi-year deal with Netflix to show all its content on the service, including Transformers Prime and G.I. Joe Renegades, which you can already see on there on instant streaming. You're also going to get My Little Pony, Pound Puppies, The Adventures of Chuck and Friends, Gem and the Holograms, Transformers Generation 1, G.I. Joe Real American Heroes, Transformers Beast Wars, and Transformers Rescue Bots. In 2012. All of that can be found in the Netflix Just for Kids section, so be on the lookout for that. Like I said, Transformers Prime is on there, and I believe G.I. Joe Renegades is also on Netflix Instant already. Expendables 2 hasn't come out yet, but we're already talking about Expendables 3. 
It seems that everybody's favorite ponytailed MMA sensei douchebag, Steven Seagal, has said that he is going to be in the third Expendables film. He said that he had received a considerable offer that he is going to take into consideration to appear in the third film. We'll see, is what he said. What the fuck else are you doing? Seriously, what is Steven Seagal doing except wearing giant fucking muumu overcoats and starring in real terrible cable flicks? Seriously, Fire Down Below Part 8, Under Siege 14, what, what the fuck are you doing? How about, how about, are you running around pretending to be a lawman, Steven Seagal lawman? Is that what you're doing? The fuck out of here. Do the Expendables, take some fucking money, and lose some weight. Fucking asshole. Now this next bit of movie news, I really wanted to discuss, only because I didn't do an opening monologue, and, um... This is actually pretty cool. I'm sure that a lot of you probably in the in the middle of the country and in the West Coast have or are familiar with Alamo Draft House, which was a cinema chain that started in 1997. Um, it's expanded to nine locations thus far, including Texas and also Winchester, Virginia. Known for having really great food, really great drinks. Well, it seems that Alamo Draft House is coming to New York as well. Uh, the theater is going to have five screens, and it's going to be in the Metro Theater here in the city in the Upper West Side. Now, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because Alamo Draft House, everybody that, that is familiar with them, and I've told a few people that they were coming to New York, told me that they have excellent food, and you get to drink alcohol and shit, but... Excuse me, I was trying to sneeze. But they also have a strict behavior policy. So... This particular thing is of, of much interest. A strict behavior policy with this movie franchise. Children under six are not allowed, and neither are unaccompanied minors. No one talking or texting is allowed during the film. Anyone who violates this policy, uh, who violates this policy is subject to a warning and potential removal. In addition to that, um, you know, this was this was something that was discussed before because customers have adopted a strict no talking policy as well. We don't want to alienate our patrons, but we want to make sure that you can if you can't change your behavior or be quiet during a movie, then we don't want you at our venue. All I got to say is. That's what I got to say. Seriously, a movie theater that actually enforces no fucking six-year-old hell spawns, no unaccompanied shitty minors, no talking, no texting, and they enforce it by actually throwing motherfuckers out? Where have you been all my life? Holy shit. I don't know. Maybe this is shit that should be common sense in every establishment? Seriously, you gotta wait for some, some unknown film franchise, uh theater chain to come into New York for this shit to be important. And yes, yeah, slick, slick has a point. Yeah. I have to go to Manhattan for that, but you know what, dude, I drive all the way out East to go to Westbury stadium to watch it in theater seating. So if I got to take a train to the city to watch a movie in a theater that is guaranteeing me not getting any criminal charges where you or any of the other MTR staff are going to have to bail me out. Fuck it. I will do it. 
If you are a parent and you bring a five-year-old kid to watch an R-rated movie, I would like to punch you in the face and punt your kid in the ass. Seriously. If you're bringing a kid under six to the movies and it's not for a kid film, you should be punched in the eye. Right at the box office. Because I worked in a movie theater, I was an usher for three years, I was a doorman and an usher during that time, right here in New York City, and it was, it was exactly that. Worked the front door. Hey, no outside food or drinks. Hey, what's that? Nice Subway sandwich in your fucking trench coat. Sorry, I can't let you in. Or, I'd be working as an usher, some old lady would come out, there's kids smoking weed in the third row. Really? You're smoking weed in the theater? This was the kind of shit that we'd have to go and throw motherfuckers out for. Seriously. This is the kind of shit we did. Or, here's a good one. Hey, if you're gonna get a blowjob from your girlfriend, please don't sit at the end of a row where we can see you when we're cleaning the theater. You fucking idiots. And, of course, we, we would... We would feel bad for the dude, let him finish, and be like, you know, dude, next time, sit in the back, in a corner, where we don't see you, and the motherfuckers would get embarrassed. Yes, that's the kind of shit we saw. Oh, talking kids? We gave you one warning. Second warning, we'd say, if we hear anybody else complain about you guys, you're out. And by the, by the second warning... Myself and my fellow ushers at the time would be just as pissed off where we just throw them the fuck out. We'd throw them out. We'd walk right in. Listen, five people have complained about you guys. These people paid money. You got to go. Yo, man, I fucking paid for this movie. You can't throw me out. Yes, the fuck we could. And we threw them right the fuck out. Why this doesn't happen anymore? I don't know. I don't. Yes, John, I did the right thing and I let him finish. Because, seriously, it, it, it beats the old hole-in-the-popcorn bucket trick, which nobody should do. If you're ever in a movie theater and you want to get a hand job, don't ever do the hole-in-the-popcorn bucket trick, and I'll tell you why. Because popcorn oil is basically buttered peanut oil. It is butter-flavored peanut oil with salt that you don't want on your genitals. So, I figured I would let... Those of you that ever entertained that idea know that popcorn, popcorn butter in quotes is the worst thing you can eat. Worst thing ever. Don't ever eat it. Those pretzel nuggets you fucking love. I wouldn't eat those shits either. Just saying. Eat the popcorn. Maybe the nachos. Maybe. Uh, depending on if you get there early in the day. If it's early in the day then you're getting fresher nachos. If it's later in the day, you are getting shit. Simple as that. Do not put butter on your popcorn. Don't. Don't do it. Oh, and any movie theater that doesn't pop their popcorn and has bag shit, that doesn't pop fresh popcorn, burn it to the fucking ground. If you are a theater in 2012 that cannot sell fresh fucking popcorn burn it down just just tell your employees to leave and burn the theater down because you are complete horse shit if i wanted to eat wise potato chips brand popcorn i'd go to the fucking store buy it and sneak it into the theater myself 
just eat the popcorn. Eat freshly popped popcorn. Do not eat bagged popcorn. Oh, and let's not talk. You know the candy that you weigh out? That you the bulk candy? I'm gonna tell you guys right now. There are times when the candy falls on the floor and we'd put it back in the bins. People would come over, hey man, I'm gonna get some Jordan almonds. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Because there'd always be some parent whose kid would come and pull the spout and all the fucking candy would get all over the floor. And then occasionally five second rule applied. Occasionally, you know. But please use your discretion. And you'll know if the candy looks suspect. If the Sour Patch Kids are all stuck together and they don't have enough sour fucking cocaine on them, clearly they've been tampered with. Don't eat those shits. Please, I'm begging you. You know runts? Runts can get on the floor at least three times before they even remotely look like they've ever touched the floor. Use discretion with the runts. Especially if you like eating the bananas and the fucking runts. Because this is what would happen. And, and you know what? If you're a member of the film industry and you're like, oh my God, you know, Rich is shitting on the industry. Nope. I enjoyed working in the movie theater. It was a fantastic job. You got, you know, you got to see movies for free. You got to watch some of the best shit out there. But it's a hard job. It is a hard job. Bulk candy bins, please, at your own risk. Trust me. That's all I'm saying. And it may not happen in every movie theater, but if I remember anything from the old days, it's that we're fucked up. And sometimes we have terrible days. And people pay for it. Simple as that. All right. Let's get into some box office totals. Three-peat for the Hunger Games, number one at the box office, $33.5 million. It's made over $300 million. Number two, American Reunion. Number three, Titanic 3D. Number four, Wrath of the Titans. Number five, Mirror Mirror. Number six, 21 Jump Street. Number seven, The Lorax. Number eight, Salmon Fishing in Yemen. Is any... What the fuck is that? I'm going to have to IMDB that shit. Uh, Number nine, John Carter. Number ten, Safe House. (sighs) Let's get into some other movie news. And here are the what the fuck movie news for this week. According to Deadline, Sony Pictures is planning on bringing back Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But not as a teenage witch, but as a superhero. Deadline notes that the movie will be an origin story in the vein of Spider-Man about a young girl coming to terms with her remarkable powers. If you don't remember, Sabrina the Teenage Witch originally was a comic book series published by Archie Comics, which became a cartoon, and then a live-action TV show with with Melissa Joan Hart, who was also Clarissa Explains It All. It's being directed by, uh, well, the script is written by Andrew uh, Barrer and Gabriel Ferrari, and Mark Waters, who did Mean Girls, is rumored to be directing it. So yes, ladies and gents, Sabrina the Teenage Witch will be going from Teenage Witch to Superhero. I'm sure it's going to be filled with loads and loads of awesome comedy. Yeah. You see how terrible that was? That's how terrible this movie is going to be. Now, as I was mentioning, Gary Ross originally, of course, directed The Hunger Games, will not be back to direct Catching Fire. 
according to the reasoning behind it, they're saying is that Fox laid out a timetable where they wanted this film to be written in less than eight months. And Gary Ross felt that this film is going to be the hardest of the three to make, and it required more time. And you know what? These are the kind of reason. These are the kind of reasons why films like the Spider-Man franchise with Sam Raimi um, get kicked around and shit happens because the studio wants to make money so quickly, so 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 quickly that they're willing to sabotage their own product to crank it out faster. Fact of the matter is. Let this chick film first class, take a little time with the second Hunger Games film. Trust me, people will go and see it. If you rush the shit out, it's gonna suck. Simple as that. It's gonna suck. Charlotte Copley from District 9, who was also in uh, the A-Team, has been offered the lead villain role in Spike Lee's Old Boy, which, for those of you not familiar, Old Boy is a remake of Park Chan Wook's Old Boy. It's going to be starring Josh Bro. It's going to have Josh Brolin in the lead with Elizabeth Olsen, and it's going to follow the the main character, which is Joe in the American version, who's captured and imprisoned in a hotel room for over two decades, with no understanding as to why. When he is suddenly released, he is told he has just four days to determine the reason for his imprisonment. Simple as that. I will tell you this. I have mixed feelings about Spike Lee giving this film a proper treatment, but do yourselves a favor, check out the original Old Boy. It has one of the most vicious, vicious fight scenes involving a claw hammer that I've seen in a long time. Not to mention the guy who gets his tooth ripped out with a claw hammer, which is kind of awesome, but again, definitely pick up Old Boy if you can. Um, I know DK's in the chat. You want a movie to watch, DK? Old boy, add it to your list. Here's your other bit of what the fuck movie news. EA, who we all know is America's favorite shitty company, has hired John Gattens, who is the co-writer of Real Steel, to develop a pitch for a film based on Need for Speed. I kid you not. They want to do a film based on Need for Speed. Isn't there a film already based on Need for Speed called, I don't know, Fast and Furious? Seriously, EA? You wh- Why don't you make a, a fucking Mass Effect movie? Why don't you do that? You got all this money. Make a, make a Mass Effect movie. Get, um, <clears throat> get, the, get Ridley Scott to do it. Make a fuckload of money. And call it a day. Really? You're going to get the guy that did Real Steel to write a pitch for Need for Speed? Ugh. Get the fuck out of here. And last but not least, The Rock is signed up to do another movie uh, based on the comic book series called Lore by IDW. Um, the The comic book is about a secret society of shepherds who have been keeping the world safe from mythical creatures for generations. When the line of succession is broken, a reluctant hero finds her life threatened as the creatures returned. I'm assuming that the she will be a he and that The Rock will be the lead for this film. So there you have it. You have The Rock probably doing like five films, which means he'll be back just in time for WrestleMania 29 to collect the payday to fight Brock Lesnar. And uh, Need for Speed, the movie. Yes. There you have it. And I see um, John Blade and Quark talking about a Mass Effect movie. 
You know, if you two guys could cast an entire Mass Effect movie with some of the key characters, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a write-up of, you know, Blake, Blade and Quark cast Mass Effect the movie. Just to see who you guys would pick to play, you know, Commander Shepard and uh, some of the other characters. I, I'm curious, especially because you guys are, are hardcore players of this game. Homework assignment, boys. Let's see if you guys deliver. Well, ladies and gents, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Once again, short and sweet, another 90-minute MTR. But it's all good. Things will return back to normal with three-hour episodes real soon. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 135 for Thursday, April 12th, 2012. Oh, happy Friday the 13th since it's after midnight. Uh, yeah. Don't walk under any mirrors. Don't let any black cats cross your path. You know, all that superstition bullshit. But anyway, MTR 135 in the books. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at mytakeradio. Add us to your circle on Google+. Become a fan on Facebook. Follow our boards on Pinterest. Pinterest.com forward slash my take radio and of course questions you can also ask them on formspring formspring.me forward slash my take radio myspace we're on it you know the deal you can find us there as well pick up the mtr app available exclusively in the amazon and itunes marketplaces for your android and ios devices it's a dollar 99 get you 96k episodes of mtr along with other exclusive content as well I also wanted to take a moment and let you guys know that My Take Radio is now um, an official recognized broadcast by the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. So we are uh, happy to be part of that group. They've been very helpful and supportive of MTR. Um, the IAIB has been uh, instrumental in helping us uh, step up our game. We've actually added a couple of pieces of equipment this week that have helped out. We've been exchanging ideas. And we've been testing uh, ways for MTR to start doing video. Last but not least, we will also be doing some stuff with YouTube regarding game captures. I did order a capture card. Um, right now, it's going to be the Aver Media capture card. We're just going to put stuff on YouTube with some commentaries, have a few laughs with that, and we'll take it from there. I don't know about live streaming. My, my schedule is way too busy. Uh, maybe if Slick or some of the other staff members want to get into live streaming, we can work something on. But we're going to try and do some stuff for YouTube and um, maybe capture some gameplay footage with Quark and these guys and stuff for reviews as well. I'll capture clips and uh, screen caps as well. So we'll be doing that within the next couple of weeks. Figures you guys deserve to know that. And that's pretty much it. I will see you guys next week. As always... Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your continued support. I beat you guys up, but we appreciate everything. Make sure if you're getting the shows on iTunes, take a moment to rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. Peace. I'm out of here. I don't know what outro music we're gonna go with this. We're gonna go with this week, but I think. I think we're going to go with ContraForce Power Trip, available at ocremix.org. Mm-hmm.